Thank you, Pastor Jesse. My name is Pastor Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at LifeSpring, and man, it is so good to be here today. Some of you guys showed up at 8.30, right? We celebrated the life of Catherine C. Raise your hand if you're at 8.30. Like, that was unbelievable. I mean, does life even begin before 9 o'clock? But yet, here you were, 8.30 this morning, celebrating Catherine. I'm so thankful for last Sunday. I'm so thankful for Pastor Jesse and Debbie. Man, it's just a privilege. What a gift to have them here at LifeSpring. He covered chapter 7. He did a great job. I'm going to cover chapter 8 today. Let's pray that I do a good job too. So uh, would you go ahead and bow your heads and, and let's pray to the Lord. God, we just pray that this message today would be from your heart. It would be your heart for your people. Lord, I just feel it that there's a passion for your people. And though we kick and scream, though we rebel, though we just continue to go our own way, you are so faithful. Even in our faithlessness, you are faithful. And you are pursuing your people today. And so, God, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, all that you're up to, all that you're saying, all that you're doing. God, it is time to get excited about you and your kingdom and what it's doing in this earth today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So we've been in the book of Acts, I don't know, four or five months now. A pretty fascinating read. I've enjoyed studying. I mean, you think about it, the book of Acts, it's the first days of these Christians, right? This Christian movement. You could say it's the first days or the early days of Jesus's church. And these first seven chapters, you get this glimpse, right? And I'm just so thankful for the book of Acts. But you get this glimpse of what it would have looked like, what it would have been like to be a Christian in the first days of his church. But you got to remember this, all of this, like how they live, what they're doing, all of it flows from what happens way back at the beginning of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, we have some words from Jesus. He's hanging out with uh, some of his followers, and he tells them, if you remember this, chapter 1, he says, hey, listen up, I want you to wait. Remember that? Right? He says, hey, gather around, I I want you to hear this, wait. (laughs) Anybody bad at waiting, by the way? Right? He says, wait, and and I don't want you to leave. Don't don't leave. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave, but wait. And what are they waiting for? For the gift that the Father promised. And he says, what you've heard me speak about, he goes, my cousin John, John the Baptist, I mean, he was baptizing with water. He goes, but hey, wait, you're not going to want to miss this because in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, these are his last words before the ascension. We got one more phrase before his ascension, last words. And I just say this, can we all agree that last words matter? Like, if you know that these are the last words, you're going to lean in. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get to be at the bedside of someone and it's their last words. Like, you want to know what they're about to say. And, and this is what Jesus says before his ascension. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Yeah, power when, you, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Power, witnesses. And where are you going to be a witness? You're going to be a witness in Jerusalem. Let's just make it a little bigger than that, all Judea. Oh, let's go up north. We're going to be in Samaria. In fact, you know what? To the ends of the earth. And that's what he says. Anyone else get chills when you just heard that? That's what he says. He goes, takes his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. But then you keep reading the book of Acts. I mean, it gets better. You got Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And then all these early believers, I mean, they start doing exactly what Jesus 
said they would do. They receive exactly what Jesus promised they would receive. They now have the power of the Lord. And, and again, last Sunday morning, I mean, you see this power, right? You see the power of the Holy Spirit on full display in the life of Stephen. Like, can we just all agree that you cannot do what Stephen did without the power of God pulsating through your veins? The Bible actually says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. There's a few times where it says he was a man full of faith. He's a man full of the Holy Spirit. He's a man full of God's grace. He's a man full of God's power. He performed many signs and wonders among the people. Again, you've got to catch this. He does what only a person full of the Holy Spirit could do. In fact, Acts 7.55, we've got a crowd. They're pretty mad. They're pretty angry. They're furious. The Bible says they're gnashing their teeth, so they're full of something, right? They're full of hatred, full of sin. But that verse, 7.55, says that Stephen was what? He was full of the Holy Spirit. Life Spring, what are you full of today? Right? What are you full of today? You are a vessel designed, created to be filled. You're going to be filled with something. What are you going to be filled with today? By the way, this idea of being full of the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a common theme through the book of Acts. Uh, Throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see the Holy Spirit come up again and again and again. So these early believers, they're continuing to be a witness for Christ. They're continuing to share the good news of Christ. But I want you to hear this today. They're doing all of that full of the Holy Spirit. So it's exciting. You get goosebumps. It's actually happening. What Jesus said was going to happen, it's happening. Jesus has baptized his followers in and with the person of the Holy Spirit. And the change is radical. I mean, just flip through those pages. I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's a new way to be human where even Stephen, I mean, he's dying at the hands of this angry mob. He falls to his knees. He cries out. He declares almost the same words as Jesus declared on the cross. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That's a declaration only made possible. Man, you cannot do that in your flesh. That is only possible by the power and the wisdom of the Spirit living inside of you. These are the words of a man full of God's personal presence. So again, it's happening. It's exciting. These Christians, they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all that Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. Yes, He said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But He also said you're going to be my witnesses. Witnesses in Jerusalem, witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Let's go to the map. I mean, let's see where Jerusalem is. Uh, you're not going to be able to see this unless you got, like, amazing uh, eyesight. And my pointer, by the way, I had a pointer. I was going to use a red pointer. I was so proud of myself, but it would not show up on the screen. Everybody would go, oh. Right, I know. I, I feel bad, too. But here it is. So Jerusalem, it's in the brown section. And Judea, the region of Judea, that is the brown section. And then if you go up north, do you see what's right above that? That's Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And this is what's exciting. For seven chapters, we've seen this great witness in Jerusalem. And now in chapter 8, this thing is breaking out. And we're going to see this fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. So let's get going. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day. A great persecution broke out on that day. Remember, what is this day? If you're tracking with us at all, this day is the day that Stephen dies. And on this day, a great persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, catch this church, they were scattered throughout Judea, Samaria. Godly men, they buried Stephen. They mourned deeply for him. But Saul, he began to destroy the church. He's going house to house, house to house dragging off men and women, putting them in prison. So this is a big deal, church. With Stephen's death, 
things will never be the same. We just got to hear this. Things will never be the same. This is a defining moment because with his death, it says this great persecution breaks out. And so Jesus' followers, they're scattered. And, and now they're scattered throughout Judea, scattered throughout Samaria. And then there's Saul, and we're going to learn more about Saul later on in the book. But he's there approving of Stephen's death. And the Bible, I mean, this is intense verbiage even. The Bible says that Saul began to destroy the church. Can we just fill that for a moment? I mean, he's dragging men and women from their homes. He's putting them into prison. That's evil. I mean, that's completely evil. Have you ever had something evil done to you before? You know, I always think about one of our former guitar players, a good friend of mine, Alex Prokopchik. His grandfather lived in the Soviet Union, and his grandfather was put in prison in Siberia for eight years because of his faith. Eight years. Not eight days, not eight months. Eight years. And I'm good friends with Alex's uncle. His uncle, he's a four-square pastor down in Southern California uh, in the Hollywood area. And so his uncle and Alex's dad, there's a 20-year gap between their births. Why is there a 20-year gap between their births? Grandpa was in prison for eight years years for his faith. But here's the deal, where the enemy tried to destroy that family, instead of it destroying their faith, you can guess what happened, right? It's the same thing that has happened in so many of your lives, what the enemy meant for evil, for your death, your destruction, the Lord turned for your good. See, his grandpa's faith only grew stronger to even to this day. His two boys are dedicated, passionate followers of Jesus. Again, one even preaching the good news of Jesus on the streets of Southern California. I saw a pastor, uh, his uncle, on the streets of Hollywood with signs just saying, Jesus loves you. Come on. But then my friend, Alex Prokopchik, the grandson of this man who was imprisoned for his faith, on May 24th of 2020, May 24th of 2020, with so many of his family members present, I want you to see what I got to be a part of that day. The video audio quality isn't that great, but I think you're going to catch the point. Also, have a picture, picture of his, of his family. family. Uh, look at that. Look at that. Legacy of faith. Praise the Lord. I mean, this is incredible, right? What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for our good. Now, in today's story, we got Saul. He's trying to destroy the church. You're almost convinced it's working because it says that the followers of Jesus, they're scattered. Everybody say scattered. That's an important word here. Like Saul, he, he's like, yeah, I'm succeeding at, you know, destroying this church. He has no idea what he's doing, though, right? I mean, he thinks he's scattering, I don't know, scared, powerless, helpless, hopeless, you know, just mere human beings. I mean, he has no idea. He is scattering power-packed seeds for the kingdom of God. I mean, he thought he's destroying the church, but he's scattering seeds. And you know what happens when you scatter seeds? You know what happens? Seed is scattered. Something grows. Something good begins to grow. This is what happens. The very next verse, verse 4. Those who have been scattered, what do they do? They preach the word. Preach the word wherever they went. Philip, he goes down to a city in Samaria. He proclaims the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed. 
I mean, they leaned in. They paid close attention to what he said. Why? Well, with shrieks, impure spirits, they're coming out of many. Like many who are paralyzed, healed. Lame, healed. And so in that city, there was great joy. Just keep those uh, verses up there for just a second. See, those verses, those five, really moved my heart this week for a couple of reasons. First, because who's ministering? Like, who's the guy that we just talked about? Starts with a P. Philip. Yeah, Philip. Some of you are like, who's Philip? <laughs> well, Philip, if you go back a couple chapters, he's one of those seven. Remember the seven? You got the twelve. We all know about the twelve disciples. But then you got the seven. So the twelve chose the seven, and they chose the seven to take care of the widows in Jerusalem. Right? They wanted to make sure there was even distribution of food for the widows. So Philip is one of the seven. Stephen was one of the seven. So Stephen and Philip, they worked alongside each other. They knew each other. They were probably friends, right? They're feeding the widows, working together. But now Philip's friend, his companion, is dead. And not only with that, on the day of his death, a persecution breaks out where now Philip has to flee Jerusalem. This, you could say, would be an intense season. Again, has anyone been through an intense season? Maybe even right now you're walking through an intense season. I mean, think of what he's walking through. His friend is dead, and now he has to leave Jerusalem. But he flees, and where does he go? And this is amazing. He goes to Samaria. Like the same Samaria that Jewish people, because of their disdain for the Samaritans, would try to avoid when they're traveling between that Judean region and the Galilean region. Like, did you see the map? There's like Judea, then there's Samaria, and then there's Galilee. If they're trying to get to Galilee, instead of just going like this, they go, eh. let me see. Eh. Like they would avoid Samaria. I don't have time to get into all the details of why the Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other very much, but just know that this is a huge deal that Philip is in Samaria. So he's proclaiming the Messiah. They're witnessing incredible things. I mean, the Bible says signs and wonders and healings. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, catch this church, Jesus and his kingdom is showing up in Jerusalem. They are witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem. But now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is showing up in Samaria through Philip. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon. This is a good story. Hope you're paying attention today. Simon, he's practicing sorcery in the city. He's amazing all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. Now, all the people, all the people, and we're talking high and low, they're leaning in. They're giving Simon their attention. And they exclaim, this man is rightly called the great power of of God. Now, what a title is that? I mean, does that even fit on the business card, right? I am the great power of God, is what Simon the sorcerer says. And so they follow him because he's amazing, right? They're, he's amazing and left and right. And uh, he's been doing this for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed, verse 13 says, Simon was baptized. And he follows Philip everywhere. He's astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. So, I mean, man, it's just getting better and better. Now we got these two Jewish disciples of Jesus, Peter and John, who again are probably raised up to, you know, not really be favorable towards the Samaritans, probably knew the name calling and the negative comments about Samaritans, but now they're here and that's so many good things are happening over in Samaria that Peter and John, hey, Peter and John, they couldn't use a cell phone. They got the news to Peter and John, Peter and John, you got to get over here. Like God is up to something good 
in Jerusalem. I mean, in Samaria. Well, they get there, verse 15, and when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. Well, why did they pray for the new believers? Well, they prayed so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that's interesting. See, the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon any of them yet. They had just simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John, they placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Church, I just want to say something real quick. It is so weird to me when Christians say things like this to me, and I've heard it several times in my years of pastoring. Well, you know, like Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm really into the whole Jesus thing, but you can just kind of keep the Holy Spirit thing. Like, give me Jesus, but Holy Spirit, not so sure about Him. Like, somehow in our theology, we have given ourselves permission to separate Jesus and the Holy Spirit, where you can live the Christian life, the life that God has called and designed you to live, to be a follower of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. To the early Christians, to people like Peter and John, this would be incomprehensible. Like, that would be a foreign concept that wouldn't even make sense to them. Remember, Jesus dies on the cross. He raises from the grave. He ascends to the Father. He asks the Father, hey, Father, would you send the promise of the Spirit? And the Spirit comes to live in them. And it's beautiful, right? The pouring out of the Holy Spirit is beautiful because now you no longer have to go to Jerusalem to go to the temple to encounter God's presence. But now God's very presence lives in the temple, the tabernacle of our hearts. And what's cool about the book of Acts is like we're in chapter 8 now, but like for seven chapters we've witnessed this. Like they're living by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's flowing, pulsating through their veins. They're doing the things that Jesus did. And by the way, it's not because of their like strength or their natural abilities. It's not because of their intellect. It's not because of their amazing education. It's not because of their heritage. It's not because of their upbringing. It's not because of anything in and of themselves. But it is only because of what Jesus has done. See, they're able to do the things of Jesus because Jesus baptized them in and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so again, these early days, I mean, believers like Peter, John, Philip, all of them, just the rest of them, they see the Spirit-filled life as the Christian life. And so again, when they see these Samaritans being just radically touched by God through the ministry of a Spirit-filled believer in Philip, when they find out these new converts haven't been baptized in and with the Holy Spirit, their next step, it just comes so naturally. They don't even think about it. They're like, hey, you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I mean, you believe in Him? No, I believe. Like, like we're going to get serious here. Like, the way, the truth, and life, and like, no one comes to the Father except through Him? Oh, yeah, man, I, like, I totally believe in all that. Well, I got good news for you. Can I pray for you? I'm just excited for you because I just want to pray right now that the Holy Spirit would fall on you. Just fall on you because like he's in you like when you said yes to jesus i mean the spirit he's that deposit he's that seal that guarantee of an eternal life with god but see i just want to pray right now that the lake of his presence would turn into a river of his living water like a power-packed river that the dam would break inside of you and that by the name of jesus living waters of just rushing living waters would begin to flow in and through you in the name of jesus so i just want to pray right now that the power of god would clothe you with power from on high. I don't know if that's exactly how it went, but something happened, right? Something happened because verse 18 happens, right? Simon, he's witnessing the whole thing, and he's like, man, like, that was awesome. And he says, when the Spirit, and when he sees that the Spirit is given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, he's like, okay, I, I need this. <laughs> and he, he grabs his money, right? And he, he goes to Peter, and he says, man, just 
whatever that was, give that to me. Like, I want that ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because remember, like, Simon, he's got a good thing going on in town. People are literally calling him the great power of God. (laughs) So, again, he witnesses this, and he's like, man, this could really help me out in the things I'm doing here. So, you know, again, how much do I have to pay you? And Peter calls him out, and he calls him out something fierce. It's like, Simon, put your money away. May your money perish with you, Simon. That you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. In fact, Simon, you have no part. You have no share in this ministry. You know why? Because it's your heart, Simon. Your heart. Your heart is not right before God. Oh, man. LifeSpring, if you are serving on any of the teams here at the church, or if you are in any way trying to be a witness in this world, can you just make sure that you're allowing the Lord to examine your heart? Make sure your heart is right before God. I mean, just do whatever you got to do to get this one settled. That your heart is in a good place before God and others. And Peter says, repent. Just repent. Repent. Repent of this wickedness. Simon, pray to the Lord in the hope that he might forgive you for even having such a thought in your heart. Because Simon, see, I see that you are full. Again, you're going to be full of something, church. He says, I see that you are full of bitterness. And you're captive to sin. I see your heart is full of bitterness, captive to sin. Some of you know, even as I say those words, your heart is not in a good place today. By the kindness and grace of God, use this time this morning to repent. He loves you. He's for you. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Let's make sure our hearts are right before God. So Simon says, "When I pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing that you have said may happen to me." Well, after they further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John they they go back to Jerusalem. They're preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now I got to be honest, that verse uh, most of the time I just kind of fly right by that verse, but this week it got me. I mean, it got me. I'll, let me tell you why it got me. See, Philip has just done what Philip's done in Samaria, sharing the good news about Jesus in Samaria. Again, a huge deal. But what I noticed this week is that what Philip is doing in Samaria now inspires Peter and John to do the same thing. Like, go ahead and put that, keep that verse up there. Because now they see Philip and what Philip's doing in Samaria. So now Peter and John on the way back to Jerusalem, they're like, well, let's go. And so they start witnessing in these Samaritan villages. This is profound. Lifespring, listen, I want to make a point here. This is amazing. Again, because Peter and John, they're a part of that 12. The 12 in Jerusalem that said, hey, we've got to pick seven. Seven to distribute uh, to the widow's food, right? Because they can wait on the tables while we preach the word. But now these seven, one of them in Philip is leading the way in Samaria. So where in Jerusalem, think of it this way, Philip, you could say maybe was following Peter and John's lead. Can you just see how it's kind of flipped to where now Peter and John are following Philip's lead? And this is profound to me. Because have you ever, and you don't need to show your hands on this one, but have you ever gotten into that rut where you start coveting what somebody else is doing? Like you're coveting somebody else's part. And I'm not even saying that Philip was doing this, but you can imagine it, right? Like, oh, well, you know, they get to be over there preaching the word, you know, over in the spotlight or candlelight. And, you know, there they are where I'm just waiting on tables and you're just kind of like, you know, washing dishes. I'm grumpy and here's your food. Hope you enjoy it. 
And again, I'm not saying that he was doing that. But if you're tempted to do that, don't do that. Don't do that. Again, how's your heart today? How's your heart? The heart is so easily influenced where you can begin to covet what somebody else is doing. And and man, it just begins to cause that resentment, that bitterness, envy, jealousy. I mean, it just causes flat out sin. Don't go there, church. Instead, I want you to think about your life. Whatever that looks like, you do what God is asking you to do. Play your part. Whether it's Philip or Mary or Peter or John, every part is needed, church. Every part is valuable. You fulfill the assignment that God has assigned you to do. And I'm just telling you, I mean, who knows? As you live that life of faithfulness, like Philip is living here in Acts chapter 8, I mean, he's just being faithful to God, right? He's just obeying the Holy Spirit. But who knows? Even those people in those positions, those positions that you're tempted to covet, Who knows, maybe they'll be influenced by the way that you are doing what God is asking you to do. Just like Peter and John are influenced by Philip. I think that's a word for some of us today. Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord says to Philip, Go, Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit tells Philip, Philip, go. Go to the chariot and stay near it. So Philip obeys. He runs to the chariot. He hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Well, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? He invited Philip to come up, sit next to me. And this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself? Or someone else. And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. And he told him the good news of Jesus. Oh, man. Look at what the Spirit is doing. I mean, within one chapter, the good news of Jesus is going from Jerusalem to Samaria. Now to a eunuch who is a royal official for the queen of the Ethiopians. By the way, this isn't modern-day Ethiopia. It would probably be more like modern-day Sudan. But the good news is spreading. But church, catch this. How is it spreading? It's spreading by the power of the Spirit of God working through the people of God. The Spirit of God working through the people of God. And I, I don't want you to miss a couple things I just read. Catch this. Verse 26. The angel says to Philip, go. Verse 29. The Spirit says to Philip, go. And we all love this story. I mean, it's a great story. The story of Philip is wonderful because he gets to share the good news of Jesus with the eunuch. But church, why does he get to speak to the eunuch? Don't miss this today. Because when the Spirit said, go, Philip went. He had the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus because he listened to the Spirit, full of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. All he has to do is obey the Spirit, and the Spirit leads him straight to 
the eunuch. It's, it's so awesome to have Cindy Ferris here today, one of the church planners of the church at Nine Mile Falls. Can we just acknowledge her? Wave up. Hi. I mean, come on, Jesus. When the Lord said, go, they went. And you see that in the story. Philip, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's walking by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to fill this church so all he has to do, he doesn't have to conjure something up. He doesn't have to make something up. All he has to do is obey the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And the Spirit leads him straight to the eunuch. And that eunuch, I mean, come on, this guy is ripe for salvation. I mean, he's fertile ground. The guy's traveled to Jerusalem to worship. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah. I mean, you would call him a seeker, right? I mean, he is a seeker. And I'd also say it this way, out of God's great love for him, but not only God's just great love for the eunuch, but also for that region, the, uh, the Holy Spirit sends Philip to the eunuch. And at the right moment, the right time, Hungry for God, passionate for God, Philip shares the good news. And the eunuch receives it, doesn't he? In fact, it gets better if you keep on reading. Verse 36, they travel along the road. They're probably pretty happy by now. They come to some water. The eunuch says, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And so he gives orders, stop the chariot. Anyone excited yet? I mean, the music behind this scene is just epic. They, they, They stop the chariot. They get down into the water, and Philip just baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. The eunuch didn't see him again, but the eunuch's life was changed forever because he leaves. He goes on his way rejoicing. And Philip, he appears in Athetus, and he travels about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I, I want to close with this worship team, prayer team. You can come on up. There's a hunger. I believe this. There's a hunger for the Lord right now in this region. And I get it. It might not be everybody, but there are people just like the eunuch living in this community. I believe that. I have faith for that. The harvest is ripe. And I'm not so sure it's going to be licensed pastors who are going to be reaping the harvest. My wife and I, we've, we've been really talking about this for, I don't know, the last three, four weeks. We feel strongly that it's going to happen through you, through anyone and everyone who is willing to live a life full of the Holy Spirit, where you let the Spirit fill you and lead you, that when He says go, you go. And at just the right moment, and at just the right time, you're going to be standing next to to the Ethiopian eunuch. And you will share the good news of Jesus. Don't you want that? Don't you long for that? My heart longs for that. But for that to happen, I think some of us, maybe all of us, probably all of us, we need to do some repenting. We need to do some of that self-examining. But we also need to give the Lord permission to examine our hearts. I think it was last Sunday or two Sundays ago, the Bible reading plan, it was like, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees. And I was like, oh, he's talking about me. I repent, Lord. I'm so sorry. God, that's not how I want to live my life. Change my heart, Lord. Change my attitude. 
Allow the Lord to examine your heart. Man, it's a dangerous place to go because the minute you go that, you're like, well, yeah, but what about them? And you don't know what she said. You didn't read that letter. That... No. Oh, Lord, God. Examine my heart. Someone prophesied this over me the other day. They said, man, they, they said, I just see you as fertile ground. They said, I see that you are in the all-consuming fire of God's presence. And Dan, I just see it. Everything that is not of him, he is like burning it up. He's burning it up. So that you're just this, just fire, right? Just wholly committed, wholly surrendered to God. And that's what the Lord wants for all of us. But to get there, it's going to take some just leaning in. Presenting ourselves before the Lord and saying, do what only you can do. Because again, we're vessels. Every one of us are a vessel, and we're going to be filled with something. But let's be vessels that are filled with the Spirit, ready to obey and do whatever He's asking us to do. And so this is how I want to end today. I want to give us an opportunity. I want to give every one of us an opportunity to be prayed for, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is whether it's for the first time or the 100th time or the 1,000th time. It's just to allow someone to lay their hand on you and say, Holy Spirit, may rivers of living water flow through this precious vessel. And anywhere the scum is kind of built up on the pond of your presence, may the dam just break today and a rushing living water might flow again. And so, let's go ahead and stand. We're, we're going to sing to the Lord. But also, we have maybe four or five of us up here up front. Braden, do you mind coming down as well and being available to pray? Pastor Jesse, maybe you'd be willing as well. We just want to make sure no one leaves this room without that opportunity to be touched by the Lord. Because we want, again, all of us. I think this story is so good today because we want to be empowered witnesses in Edgewood, Federal Way, Puyallup, Kent, the state of Washington, our beautiful country, the United States of America, and to the world, to the world. And so, Lord, whatever part we have to play, and it's an intense season church just hear the spirit say this to you he says i do my best work in intense seasons my gospel spreads further and faster in intense seasons than it ever does when the intensity has gone away and yes the pressure is real but god just declares this over us today that in the midst of the pressure when we feel like we are scattering we are not scattering as scared, powerless, helpless, mere human beings. But we are scattered as transformed, power-packed, life-giving seeds for the kingdom of God. So Holy Spirit, burn up anything that is not of you. That we might be filled with your presence today, right here, right now. That we get to be a part of your great work on this earth. And all God's people said...
Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, the altar is open. Come forward. Receive from the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.